Hi, this is Kimberly. Please enjoy our podcast, but remember our doctors are only here to educate, not diagnose. If you have any questions or need any further information, please email me. My email address is kim at mfwellness.org. We are here for the podcast that we have been excited to do ever since we did the first Tick podcast. We knew that we were not the expert, and that's a very tough thing for us to not be the expert. So we went out and we spent the better part of the year looking for an expert, and then lo and behold, she appeared to us, and she's actually running a research study right now concerning what I know is our favorite non-chiropractic topic, ticks. And so for you, our patients, we have gotten her on the podcast and we've got a bunch of questions for her. And it's Deborah Hubman and she is the Senior Research Associate in Microbiology and Immunology at ATSU. And for those of you who don't know, that's AT Steele University. And is that on the Kirksville campus? Yes. Okay, cool. That is um, just an awesome school if you guys haven't been up there. Um, One Small side note is the relationship between A.T. Still and uh, D.D. Palmer, who is the chiropractic guy, and A.T. Still, the osteopathic guy. They go way back, which is really funny. So she does interdisciplinary research, uh, ranging from field and lab-based studies, which is just super cool, and then eco-epidemiology of vector-borne diseases. So many cool words in one sentence. I just... (laughs) We could be here all day, but this thing, Kimberly tells me that we're, we're not allowed to do a nine hour podcast, but most of our podcasts are only 30. So man, we are so sick of the airborne vector and won't it just be great to get into, <laughs> you know what I mean? A vector that moves and bites you is almost refreshing <laughs> compared to this mysterious vector we've had floating around in the air, ruining our lives. You know, it's such a more physical, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, um, so you're from Vermont. I am. Yeah. How'd you get, so how'd you get here? Did you run out of gas or? (laughs) Yeah. So I began my undergraduate career at the University of Vermont and freshman year, I got a work study project working on malaria in lizards. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody wants to study, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. The line. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it was, it was super cool. So I had that work study job and then I got a field job out in Northern California doing the same research. So I was out Mm -hmm. collecting the lizards, cutting their toes, taking blood samples, and then also trapping for the sand flies. So we were maintaining the system in Vermont in this Mm. lab scenario. There's a field station in Northern California. It's called Hopland Field Station. So we were collecting Western fence lizards from out there. So Scoloporus ossendentalis. We would capture them, clip their toes, both for identification. So we know if we'd caught them before or not, and also to take a blood sample. So we would smear it on a slide to look for the malaria. But then we would also trap the sand flies at night. So the sand flies would come out of these ground squirrel holes. They would lay their eggs in the the dung. And so we had this inverted funnel and we would Uh capture those. We have to go out like at midnight, capture the sand flies, and then bring those back to the lab as well. At that point, I was hooked. I was like, anything that has 20 different wheels moving at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, trying to figure out that puzzle was fabulous. And you got to make a science contraption, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was was great. 
It was really that hard. is really cool. So now that we got your street cred out of the way, what we're <laughs> going to do is each one of us has a question regarding your current study. And then um, you can elaborate as much or as little as you want. And then, like I said, we have our, our wonderful sound editor, Sarah. She'll make everything sound like we're just all a bunch of super professionals, which you probably are, but we are clearly not. <laughs> very, very not. <laughs> all right. So um, Dr. Matt will go first. My question is, is this the first year that you're doing this study? Mm. And why is it so prevalent right now to do it? So this just started in April doing the statewide survey. So I've been doing tick research in northern east, northeast Missouri for since 2014. But to do the whole state, um, this just began in April. And basically, the only way to do it was to utilize citizen science. So that was the idea of ask all the citizens of the state to send us because I mean, otherwise, it's rather impossible to get all those. And Mm -hmm. what's great is it's also the interaction. So what what takes people or coming into contact either directly or through their pets or livestock or game. And so that adds a lot Mm -hmm. of um, valuable information as well. So this just started in April and it'll conclude next year in September. All right, cool. Cool, cool. You go ahead, Dr. Maurer. I guess we're just also looking for kind of a background into who came up with this idea and why you came up with the idea to do this study. Sure. So um, what's important to know, first off, is that Missouri is considered a gap state, meaning that not much is known about tick-borne diseases in this state. So federally, they have different regions well covered, but Missouri is just sort of left out. And and this Dang is from, it. yeah, this is kind of, and unfortunately, right, because we're, we, there are more ticks in the state than I have ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. So it's like the worst state to be missing. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. We're finding ticks on patients on the table. Oh, sure. I'm sure you are. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. So Missouri's a gap state. I, mm-hmm. When I started the research out here in 2014 in Northeast Missouri, first I just went out and collected some ticks and said, okay, what pathogens are actually here? And what I found was that in 25% of all adult ticks are carrying our lichiosis. Wow. I mean, that's that's phenomenal, right? I mean, we're yeah, talking he's... one in four chance of picking up our right. lichia. I don't know a single person that hasn't picked four ticks off of them. You know but, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in a season. So... I, I found Borrelia lone starry. I found mm-hmm. a bunch of rickettsial species, but not rickettsia rickettsii, which is the etiological agent that causes Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Right. But I did find rickettsia amulomatis, rickettsia montanensis, you know, other species. So what was interesting was that up here in particular, so we're talking about one county, okay, so a dare county. Arlichias, you know, that's what's here. Um, I mean, because I'm, I'm talking about over 100,000 ticks I've looked at. Okay, so that's that's what's here. Wow, I, man. But I can't do that statewide, right? I mean, I can do a hard investigation in a small area. But what I wanted to know is, well, was it a problem for our community? So then the next step was to go out and survey people. Like, so up here, it's, it's very rural, as you probably know. And most people work or recreate outdoors. So mm-hmm. of all the people I surveyed, like, I think, 99% had removed ticks off of them, but 17% removing 11 or more per year that are attached. Oh, and, wow. and then 10% basically are moving 26 plus of attached ticks. So, you know, that's, <laughs> so that's an issue, right? Oh. And then, so clearly a lot of tick interaction. So then it was like, okay, well, you're yeah. getting symptoms and 38% of all survey respondents develop symptoms post tick bite. Whoa. So that's is huge. symptoms is symptoms in that case, everything from redness to neurological impairment. That went from Anything? rash to 
like flu-like symptoms, Okay. I would okay. say, and the combination of both. And then I surveyed the healthcare practitioners and 44% of them confirmed, yeah, we're treating at least 11 or more patients per year on average for tick-borne diseases. Wow. So then I said, well, what are you diagnosing them with? And they're diagnosing them with Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't found any of those agents here in this county. Wow. So what happens, I think, um, yeah, you got this disconnect, right? Well, and it, fortunately, okay, if you have a bacterial pathogen, doxycycline all day long, takes care of mm-hmm. all of them, no harm, no foul. It's just that certain things get really underdiagnosed and maybe others are getting overdiagnosed. Mm-hmm. So in this area, I think what's happening is that if the doc actually sends out the blood sample, mm-hmm. they're all going to come back positive for rickettsia. Because 98% of the ticks are carrying some form of rickettsial species. It doesn't mean it's the one that causes Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Oh, okay. I got you. Right? So in tick-borne diseases, the bacterial ones are all, they're all mimic each other, right? And they have lots of different symptoms. You can have just a rash or you could have achy Mm -hmm, joints mm -hmm. or you can have this headache, you know, of a lifetime. Malaise, we call it in the business. Yeah. And then, you know, a a fever. I mean, all of that, it, it can vary. So I think, you know, basically it's a licky up here and it's just getting misdiagnosed. That's so, in, cool. but nothing's confirmed until you right. have a second blood draw and you see a right. fourfold titer increase. Amazing. That doesn't happen very often because no, you have to be, you have to be very sick in order to have two blood draws, right? Cause no, you guys aren't going to ask your patient to come in twice if they're feeling better. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, convince them of, so with the, with the study design that you have, so we got your, or, or I did, I think, got your initial email from uh, Missouri Conservation, picked it up, right? And they were like, hey, check out this researcher. And so we kind of talked to our patients about it. But in your words, walk the patients through, they've got a tick. You know, we, all of our patients are going to be given the pamphlet that we have from you. You know, here's the instructions. If you could kind of walk them through, hey, we found a tick on our kid, getting that tick to you in your words. So I prefer live ticks if at all possible. So if you could, you find that tick on you, place it in a Ziploc bag. It doesn't matter what size, just something that will actually seal it. Some people have been using sandwich baggies and then just taping them. That's, that's fine. I do want something in there with with a little moisture. If you could put a piece of paper towel or a wet cotton ball, or even Mm -hmm. blades of grass, just throw it in there. That's enough moisture to let them survive. And then there's that form to fill. Oh, up. really? Yeah. And if you, I mean, they live on it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're one of those people that collects lots and lots of ticks, you can hold on to those multiple bags with those individual forms for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks and then just mail it all at once if you want to save on postage. That's a possibility mm-hmm. as well. But basically, okay. you have the Ziploc bag with a tick. Then you need a second Ziploc bag or some kind of container that you put that the tick in and then also the form in and then seal it all up and then mail it. And the idea is that a lot of the individual Ziplocs or whatever they're using to put the tick in might tear. And then we don't want to put the mail staff in any kind of risk of having ticks on the loose. And so we found that if it's a three container, so the mm-hmm. envelope acts as one and then the two bags as, a, as the second and third, that seems to keep them it's, it's, uh, it's working well. I just want to say like, if, if you went out for a hike and you pulled 12 ticks off of you, all of those 12 ticks can go in one bag if it has a common history. So you don't need to put 
individual ticks into bags. So just put all, of, but if you go out the next oh, day, okay. those should go in a separate bag. So it's kind of by history, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What about ticks from animals as well, like your dog or your cat? Do you count those as well? I do. And actually do. that what's great about that is because okay, those, those are ticks that people are interacting with. I'm, I'm kind of surprised how many people, so they tend to give more information on the forms than I asked for, which is fantastic. But um, it's a little shocking how many people find ticks in their bed. Yeah. And I am guessing that's from pets. So something to yeah. keep in mind. So when you're treating your pets, if you're treating them, you want to make yeah, sure it kills it. the tick and not mm -hmm. just repels the tick. Because if the, if you use a treatment that repels the tick, your pet is just bringing them in for you to, for those ticks to find you. <laughs> They're going to fall off your pet and then look for another meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Dr. Fink, you have one? We, we like ticks, but we also like the thing that eats ticks. So like possum. Oh, the opossum. Yeah, the, <laughs> the possums and things like that. Um, how do you feel about the important interaction for the ecosystem between ticks and the things that feed on them? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, clearly ticks are part of the food web. So my favorite, whenever somebody says, what, what good is a tick? Like, why don't we just get rid of all the ticks? And I'm like, well... You know, life is one big restaurant. Keep that in oh, mind. Many I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> many birds eat ticks. I mean, everything mice. If they can get to the tick, they're gonna eat it. So that's why ticks often go to the ears, places where it's difficult for the animals to get to. But yeah, that's the main oh, thing. Okay. Yeah, they're they're a food source. This is a little off topic. What is the most tick eatingest animal? that you know of, or is that even been studied? You know, what's their biggest predator? I guess is the more scientific way of asking them. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I know- I know um, they would even, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people uh, talk about chickens or talk about, um, so they keep those in the yard in particular because they will yeah. eat ticks. Um, I know guinea fowl are notorious tick eaters. Oh, yeah. guineas. Yep, guineas, and then of course for possums, but of course you got to figure possums are also hosts, so you know oh. ticks only move as far as their, and so are the birds, right? Right. <laughs> so right. ticks only move as far as their host. You know when you have a possums and fox and rabbits and squirrels mm -hmm. and and even birds flying overhead, you know that's that's a potential way to reinfect the area. Gotcha. Gotcha. Dr. Meyer, you got another one? Yeah, um, I know you're just two months into the research, but how do you feel it's going? Are you happy with the response you're getting from the public so far? Oh, my God. It, I have, as of yesterday, 8,341 ticks. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. That is so cool. How phenomenal is that? Yeah. I mean, thousands of people have been mailing yeah. me texts. Like, yeah, we've sent in two from my family. So it's just beyond anything I could have hoped for. Like That's I have so cool. all counties, but one county. So who New, are they? New mm -hmm. Madrid. That's the they're county. after the fault line. You'd yes. Would, we'll talk to them. They're on alert now. Yeah. Now they're on blacks. Yeah. Yeah. Work on them. Yeah. Um, they're the only county that hasn't submitted. And I think I have all but five counties that have submitted a Lone Star tick. So we've already, man, we've already expanded the information and yeah, couple months yeah you like, just kicked the doors down what's the best possible from this this particular study what's your what's your dream conclusion or or map as it were you know what i mean are you looking for more genetic drift are you looking to really lock down 
types and spread? You know, you're looking for like a, a multi-year assessment going on. You know, yep. is this the start, I guess, is my question. The grand scenario would be to know what mm -hmm. tick species, of at least the human biting ticks, are right. present by the county level. And then of those, I'm testing a subset for Borrelia, Ehrlichia, Rickettsia, and Francisella. And Francisella is wow. still Tularemia. So mm -hmm. I'm testing a subset of those so that we can figure out like, okay, maybe we know Rickettsia occurs in the state. It's been confirmed. Maybe it's more of a Southwest problem than a Northeast problem. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Tularemia doesn't go North of the Missouri river, like just something to really just general knowledge that we just don't have mm -hmm. and saying, okay, these tick species are located here. This is what they can carry. And this is what they, we found in by the County level. So that is the ultimate goal. And I want to back up MDC sure. funding this. So this is a collaboration between the Missouri Department of Conservation and AT Still University. They have That's funded cool. this project. Yeah. The North American conservation model is one of, the, in my opinion, is the best in the world. And Missouri really, really does it well, you know, and uh, I'm just so excited to see this type of citizen science. You know, you, you see it in everything from astronomy all the way down to the microbial level. And I just, it reassures me that the dissemination of data collection tools, uh, you know, i.e. cell phones, aside from ruining everyone's posture with their neck is actually contributing <laughs> towards some data coming in, you know, it, it just makes me feel good. So, okay, very good. Um, is there anything that we didn't ask that you want to add? Yes, I would like to add, please go to atsu.edu backslash ticks. There's a Perfect. map there and you can click on each county that you're interested in and it'll tell you the number of ticks I collected by species and life stage. Oh man. And as soon as I start doing the pathogen testing, that's going to be available on that map as well. So you have a tick heat map. I have a, tick. a data point collection. That's fantastic. Well, you know, if the citizens are willing to spend their money, their time and their energy, uh, they need to see that, that, that I'm holding so up my cool. end. We'll probably have it up on the screen here. And we will actually yeah. uh, we'll make sure you get a picture of, of that screen up in our office. We have a couple of big TVs out here. It's, yeah, we'll be once a week or something. <laughs> yeah. Updated, updated format. It's going to be great. Yeah. So that tick map mm. gets updated every week. With the tick okay. numbers. I haven't begun pathogen testing because I'm, uh, it's all I can do to keep up with the mail right now. But I'm hoping to start that in the next week or two. And then there's also a tab called research updates. And so I include information I in there as well. So, and there's oh like gosh. a scanning electron micrograph photo. And I just try to include some fun stuff to keep this, to give back to the, to the citizens. Yeah, they've been phenomenal. For sure. That's really great. That's what's so cool about the Midwest, Missouri in particular, that like if you put it out there, people will come no matter how out there it may be. If you they see you doing it, they will get out of their car and they'll help you. You know, it's, it's just really a cool place to live and to do science. So, yeah, I mean, it got advertised right. April 1st and I had ticks the following Monday. So that was a Wednesday. And that following Monday, I had that 70. That is so cool. That following Monday, I had 75 like, Are we going to get away with this? And then like the mail, you know what I mean? Just coming in. And then, yeah. oh, what a great use of the postal service. You know, maybe we thought it was down and out, but now we're using it to transport our specimens. It's just, there's a lot of really, really good players in this research study. So you, like, you not only are getting good information on ticks, but like you're, you're incorporating these really cool areas of American culture in doing so. I think that's really neat. So that's awesome. It is cool. Thank you.
Oh, no. Thank you for your time. I, I just hope you get one billion. Well, not a billion, but I hope you I can't wait to see, you know, what this looks like in three or four years where we're scanning through pages of ticks. You know, it's going to be neat. It's going to be cool. Um, anything for the people? No, I'm just excited uh, to go to slash ticks. And see what, yeah, see what I'm excited. We had our first researcher and we didn't make her mad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm so proud of us. You know what I mean? Dr. Maurer, anything no, for same thing. I can't wait to put it up on our TV once a week. We're building gonna, a, we're Yeah, building we'll send you a picture. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You're our third out of uh, the practice interview. And so, uh, gosh, I think we did great. Yeah. Deborah, thank you very, very much. We, we really had a good time. Do you have any questions for us? No, I'm just curious why you're so into tick-borne diseases. Mm-hmm. I think it's because we... We've got a very big practice here and all most of our practice is athletic. Most of our people are outside all the time. There's they're always doing something. Hunters, and so, and fishermen, hunters, fishermen yeah. um, joggers, iron men, athletes. Yeah, a lot of hiking, a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, because the state parks around here are so great. And so this is something that comes up like we will seasonal. seasonally this is like a third talk about tips in general. Yeah. And it, it comes up. A lot. And so we like like we talked about before, we've pulled ticks off of our patients been like, you know, and then they're panicking because they didn't even think to look. And now they're like, now I'm carrying a creature around on me. What is going on? And so it's just one of those cool things that comes up in practice. And we were like, we have to get an expert on here. And then you last year, we did an OK podcast on it, but it's nothing like having you on it. And uh, I'm honestly looking forward to having you on next year. And we can just do another recap of this. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Thank you. And a big thank you goes out to Hug Monster Sound for somehow allowing the doctor's voices to sound even better than they already do.